This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Recently, my partner, John Ramstead, was interviewed by my former boss, Dr. James Dobson, to give an update about what's been going on with him for the Family Talk broadcast. After these episodes aired, both John and I saw a big spike in our downloads and social media numbers. These shows were such a success that both John and I figured we needed to air them. So we got permission, and here's part two of that two-part interview. We have to come to the point where we're willing to release our hands and say, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand why my child died. I don't understand why we went through that accident. But uh, you said to lean not on our own understanding. I'm not going to lean on it. I'm going to take his word for it and let him lead. That's mm-hmm. essentially what you did, isn't it? It is. And, you know, you're asking the question kind of almost from this point of view, looking back over, you know, the, you have this context, because I think it's only looking backwards that you really can connect these dots. Because I think as you have these events, these processes that happen in our lives, they're preparing you for what's next, that God is emerging on, you know, he's, there's work that he's prepared for us to do in this season. But, you know, if I go back in those periods of time, recovering, not being myself, needing a caregiver, having such uncertainty about whether I could even, you know, be a man, take care of my family, even I couldn't be around my kids. I had to be in a quiet room or I would start screaming at you early on. And I was angry. The pain that I had to go through, you know, God said at the accident, he said, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. I'm thinking to myself, this is what you call healing? I mean, there <laughs> there was times where literally, you know, the, I'd take these very strong pain medications, and you only could take them every four hours, and they would wear off in less than two hours. And I couldn't take anything again for another two hours. So I'm just trying to get through five minutes at a time. And you know what, though? In that moment, I had to hang on to the promises of Christ that he would heal me. You know, he said, this world is going to bring you tribulation. But right? Yeah. Um, but be a good cheer. Be, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he also said to me at the accident, all things work together for those that love the Lord, for those that are called according to his purpose. You know, and the other thing, too, going to, through Craig Hospital, you have people from all walks of life, all faiths, all backgrounds. And I was scared to death, though. If I looked at Christ from this perspective and this relationship with God, that, you know, it was like this, um, you know, that I— I'm going to get what I ask for every time. I think that was a very immature view that I had before this accident, right? That I won't go through problems and trials and tribulations if I have this relationship. Because how does God shape who we are going to be? There's no way that I could be doing what I'm doing today, working with the leaders that I get to work with, have the impact that I'm having today, have this platform that God's given me without having gone through the last four years. And that's what you meant when you said to me, uh, that if you had to live it over again, you wouldn't change it. I Absolutely. Mean, that's maturity, man. That is Christian maturity and being able to say that, that uh, all that I've gone through was for a purpose. I understand some of it. I don't understand all of it, but uh, I have a different relationship with not only the Lord, but with my family, my wife. I, I wanted to ask you about Donna. Yeah. Uh, she's a strong lady, isn't she? She's amazing. 
she stood by you like a rock. Well, for five weeks in ICU, she only went back to her room when she was so exhausted she couldn't sleep in the chair anymore. And you know, and you know that whole five weeks I was in ICU. I don't. I have very few memories uh, during that period of time. And man, this was this was hard for her. This was scary. You know, I realized how hard it was when we came down to do the first interview. And I'm like, Don, there's a lot of things about that period of time I don't remember. Can you help? You know, fill in some blanks for me. And and she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And I kind of pressed. And doctor, she's going to make me tear up. But she just started weeping, sobbing. Because that was so painful for her to be not only a caregiver, but to have to go through that. And I then for watched a, her during that time, John. Yeah. And uh, that's love, man. I mean, because she didn't know if you were going to come out of this. No, nobody did. I mean, I knew what God told me. So I always had this kind of this positive look on things, this confidence that it would get better. Honestly, that was that little flicker, that hope that I held on to in those really dark moments. And there was times I had to admit it. I finally got to the point I was afraid to, but to admit to God that I am angry. Why did you leave this thorn in my flesh? Why is this taking so long? Today, how can I, why can't I work full time? Why am I always in pain? And I don't have the answers to those. I can't tell you why. God hasn't answered those That's questions. That's what I tried to say in the last program. I was talking about the fact that, that you know, these intense whys mm-hmm. that we send upward to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will not be accountable to man. He, he just won't. I mean, uh, he says, trust me. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. He says, trust me. He does, and it's all, you know, for me, it was this very intense, personal, internal process, right? In John 10, 10, Christ says, I've, I've come to give you life so that you live it to the full. So how do you live a full life when you have tragedy, when you're struggling financially, you know, all these things that life throws at us, right? Our business is failing. The economy did this to us, right? I had my key employee quit. I work with business owners, CEOs, leaders, so that's been my background for 25 years, just coaching people individually. And what I found is that that joy, there's a big difference between joy and happiness. Joy comes internally from this relationship that you have with this wonderful man and this God who created us, who wants this relationship with us. So you can actually go through these peaks and valleys with joy in your heart. Happiness is something that comes externally. And I think that's also where a lot of people get stuck, their identity their happiness, they've abdicated that to what the world is giving them, what the world is saying. Yeah. And that was what I went through. I shifted that to this internal relationship with me and the Lord so I could go through all this from a very different, same person, different perspective. Yeah. And that was, for me, that was has made all the difference. John, I have some scriptures here I want to share with you. And yeah. Tell me if these were meaningful to you. Second uh, Corinthians one ten and eleven, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people praying for you, John. Were you aware of it? Yeah, you know, I got to tell you something. It was, it was so humbling. We had, I think, almost four hundred people come and bring us meals. You know, mm-hmm. as as I was in ICU, people took care of our kids. 
Donna was, I couldn't drive. Um, they had, Craig had a moving outpatient, so for almost a year and a half, she was driving me down almost every day to Craig Hospital. And through the church, through friends, through the neighborhood. And I, I was getting emails and letters on our, we set up a Caring Bridge site. There was like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who I didn't know and had never met who were praying for us. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was really humbling. I'm like, you know, up to this point, if I really lived a life that I'm receiving this from so many amazing people. Mm-hmm. And it was, I got to tell you, it's the, this community that came around me, this Christian community that came around me because I was, you know what, I just felt this deep desire, not an obligation, not like this need, but like this desire to live a life that served people like that back in a way that really made a difference in their lives the way that they did with me. See, uh, John, that's what I've appreciated about your experience and what you've gone through because you turned your uh, sorrow and your pain and your difficulty, your disability, you turned it to opportunities to tell people about Christ. That really impressed me, my brother. <laughs> and you, you know, did. having been in God's presence, I you couldn't shut me up. Uh, and uh, you're still using it for that purpose, aren't I, you? I still am, absolutely. And finally, Second Corinthians four sixteen to eighteen. So we do not lose heart, mm-hmm. though our outer self is wasting away; our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all compassion, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. John, do you look forward to the promise of eternal life? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, that you picked one of my favorite verses. I... As I was recovering, God led me to that verse, and that's probably one of my go-to verses in my dark times. I thought it might be <laughs> that I found that I would that I would read and just meditate on. And you know, having been in God's presence and just feeling this love that was so beautiful, so personal, so intense, I, I can't wait for that day that I am in that presence all the time. And this little life that we're in, this life, little slice of life compared to eternity, this is just a snap of the fingers. Uh, John, I want to spend a little bit of time here talking about what you're doing now because mm-hmm. you could not do the work you were doing before. You were a principal at Financial Designs Limited and you were working with people who were making six or $700,000 and you had the potential of doing that. You were making a good living, uh, but you couldn't do it after your accident. And you didn't know even if you were going to be able to take care of your family. That's true. And uh, how did you handle that? There's there's an emasculating aspect of that for a man when he's unable to work for his family. Well, it's it's very challenging. First of all, you know, the partners I had at that firm were some of my best friends. Uh, I couldn't ask for people that were more benevolent just trying to help me get back to work. I could only work when I started going back to work about eight hours a week. I mean, they were basically paying me, hopefully, you know, this would work out. And after trying to get back to work for two years, it was pretty clear that I would not be able to put in the kind of hours that it took in a firm like this 
to really contribute. And they weren't paying me a lot. It was a few thousand a month. It was enough to cover, you know, the bills that we had at the time. This is after the accident. This is after the accident, yeah. right? So it was in April. It was January 2014. So this is just over two years after the accident. The founder of the firm sat down and just said, you know, this, this isn't going to work out. And we need to figure out what's next for you. And I'd also been feeling on my heart, you know, this is, I don't think with everything that I've gone through and the second chance at life, that this is what I wanted to be doing. But I had no idea what it was. And at the time... They let you go, John. Is that right? They did. They let me go. And so here's what happened is, it was interesting because I'd been working on answering those two questions we talked about before, looking at my my gifts, my strengths, you know, writing out my own, what's my personal why. I had an experience in the hospital that I'll never forget. I was laying, it was one of the few memories I had uh, in this links to what happened next. But I was laying, the doctor came in, the neurosurgeon, this is before the first brain surgery, and he's on my right side, and here's Donna, and he's explaining that they have to do the surgery and why, and I, my impression was I'm not going to survive this surgery. Because then he asked Donna if we had a will. And we'd actually just redone our estate plan. We were supposed to sign it when I got back from this trip. He said, listen, you know, we can wait till the morning. Can you have the will and the living will FedExed up here? And I'd be much more comfortable if John signs this before we go into surgery, which is what they did the next morning. But I'm laying in bed thinking, you know what? It's my funeral next weekend. It is going to be my funeral next weekend. What are they going to be saying about me? What What are they going to say at the front of the church for the eulogy, which is going to be all the nice stuff? But what are they going to really be saying in the back of the church and the people that really knew me in the in the pews and before they're looking for the, you know, the potato salad and the roast beef sandwiches, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I started thinking of this concept of from an inheritance standpoint, when I was leaving to my wife and my kids, they were going to be fine with what I'd saved in insurance. But I started thinking about a legacy perspective and what have I left in my wife and in my kids and in my colleagues and in this world. And I got to tell you, I was not, when I, the sum total of 45 years of life at that point, I was not proud of, I wasn't excited about. And so this two years of recovery, I started really thinking, I'm able to rewrite this legacy, to actively and intentionally create this legacy that is tied into the work that God wants me to do, to building his kingdom. I wanted to raise my hand and say, you know, God, you kept me here. I want to get on the field I want to play your game. And I didn't know what this looked like. Um, and I honestly didn't know how I was going to possibly support my family with the pain that I was in. I could only work at that time maybe 15 to 20 hours a week. And I was about to be let go from a position that paid our bills, um, covered our health care, um, everything. Right? And Donna was a physical therapist. She'd been home with the kids for 15 years, so she couldn't just go back to work. For her to go back to work, she had to retake the medical board. So we were probably we were, we were guessing – it would be at least a year and a half, two-year process before she could actually go earn income at the level she used to. It's a dark moment. It's very dark. So I'm sitting in my prayer time, and this is why it's become my passion to work with the leaders and the people I get to work with to connect to what they've been called to do, what their purpose is, what their personal why. Because I started working with a coach. I got to that point, and I'll never forget. I was in my prayer time. I heard God speak to me again. This was on a Saturday. Uh, This is after I've been told I'm going to be let go. And what God said to me, I want you to use this life I've given you to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. And I'm like, all right. 
What do I do with that? How do I create a business out of that? You really got a vision for where God was taking you. Yeah, that's what he said to me. And this was on a Saturday. So here's what happened is that that next Monday morning, I was meeting with a friend of mine, a CEO of a company. And he says, you know what? I'm really struggling. And this is, I'm so glad that this worked out. He goes, I feel like I have these three pillars, my business, my family, and my faith, and the work I want to do in the community. And whatever I focus on does well, and the other two really suffer. He goes, I feel like there's a way to pull all three of these pillars together and just have, you know, have an extraordinary life in all these areas, but I don't know how to do it. He goes, I've decided to hire a coach to help me do that. He goes, I think you'd be a great coach. If you decide to become a coach, I'll be your first client. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Well, I didn't know I'd never been a coach. I'd only worked with one coach in the past. So I called a friend of mine who was an executive coach. He'd been 20 years in the industry. He's a believer. And we spent three hours together, and he looked at everything that I'm, who I am and what I'm doing. He says, you know what? You were meant to do this. I believe God has called you and equipped you and created you to do this and serve people in this capacity. He goes, I would encourage you to just step out on faith, create a practice, and I think God's going to open doors for you. So it was an affirmation of God's plan revealed to you. Big time. And you know what? I... I reached out. I found and this is something I've always done. I found some people that are Christians that are just some of the leaders in the coaching world that have practices that understand, you know, the business side, the heart side of building a coaching practice and started working with them, pulled them into my world. They mentored me. And it was a hard, long journey starting a company with everything I was limited to. But within six months, um, I had my first four clients and then six months later my coaching calendar was completely full and it's been full ever since with i only want to work with initially with 12 clients i'm actually only working with 10 right now because i spend so much time with the clients that i work with and now we're doing some things because the demand has been greater than that to actually work with you know groups of people and do things on a larger platform but it's been amazing as you you know the process was to really connect with that calling and that purpose and then find people around you to help you and equip you and encourage you to move into that and that that was the scary yet, part yet you're touching thousands and thousands of lives through the internet uh, give me the name of the company that you have now uh, established well we have the eternal leadership is the podcast and people can go look that up on iTunes and then beyond influence uh, grew out of everything that we're doing with um, eternal leadership, which is really, you know, how we are serving leaders forward to create that life that God meant for them. So we're we're working with individuals, companies, groups, and I could tell you a story after story after story. It's just a joy for me every day to be just a small part of other people's story. Right. To get that, you know, there is a plan, whether they're people are believers or not. Right. I get to talk to crowds that are kind of faith based crowds and not faith based crowds, especially the crowds that are not Christian based. Right. This whole concept of calling or purpose. But if people can really understand who they are and what they were meant to do, what is that unique value that's in them that's really desiring to be brought out into the world and the people that are willing to do that? I could tell you so many stories about when you connect to that point every single time. It's this inflection point of what happens in people's life, starting to develop extraordinary relationships, their wife, their kids, a business, philanthropy, their spiritual journey, whatever it happens to be. 
and being part of that journey with all these people and being part of these stories, that's why I wouldn't give it up, Doctor, because there's just— And you have an opportunity through that to lead a lot of them to the Lord. Yes. I've just had some amazing conversations. There's a lot of people that hire me because they know what I've gone through, but they don't share my faith. And I don't make that a big part of the coaching that I do. But where I'm coming from and the results that people start getting, because I really feel like the Holy Spirit is part of the conversations I have with people. It gives me some insight and questions to ask and some intuition that's at a, a different level. And I think a lot of it's from what I've gone through. But we always get to a point where people say, where where are these results coming from? Where's this material coming from that you're sharing with me? And I'll tell them, you know, I don't think you want to know. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you. And they'll insist. I'll say, well, listen, everything is from the Bible. Everything's from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would be happy to share that with you if you're interested. And when we get to that point, I've never, ever had anybody say, well, no, that's all right. I didn't know that's where it was coming from. They want to hear more because it's all about relationships. Our time's almost gone, John. I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. How do they locate you? How do they get your podcast? The podcast is Eternal Leadership. So my website is eternalleadership.com. You can go to iTunes or Stitcher or the podcast platforms. Just type in Eternal Leadership. You know, a big part of the work that I do with people, too, is just to uh, really help them connect to that unique value, that calling and that purpose. I think that really... You know, starts with self-awareness. One of the e-books that I wrote that I'd be happy to give to everybody for free, um, it's on, you know, finding those core values and how to bring them out. So if people are interested in doing that, they can go to eternalleadership.com forward slash purpose, and you can get a, a copy of that e-book. And it's, a, it's the same exercise that I use. I developed with all my coaching clients, and I've, I've gotten some great feedback. And I think it's just a first step for people to really start getting some clarity on what's the direction they really need to be going in. So, mm. yeah. John, this is, I think, the fourth broadcast we've done together. I maybe, think so. Maybe the fifth. And the reason that I have appreciated you coming here from Denver to be on the program is because uh, there's so many people listening to us who are struggling in their own way. Many of them have uh, disabilities and uh, illnesses from which they will not recover mm-hmm. or have feel like they've hit the wall and they need encouragement. They need somebody who's been there. And you have something to share that I want more and more people to know about. So I do hope that uh, that those who have heard us today and yesterday will take advantage of uh, the opportunity to find you and to to hear what you've got to say because God has taught you some things through this experience. You're a brother in Christ, and I appreciate you more than you know. I was there at your low point, Mm -hmm. and I've seen you when you gave it to the Lord and have turned a corner. You're looking good, man. (laughs) You're looking good. And uh, let's see where the Lord's going to lead. I would like our listeners to pray for you and for Donna and your three sons who are all doing good. This was a shock to their lives. This was very hard for them. I know we didn't dig into that, but, you know, it's part of the journey. You know, things that, you know, whether it's uh, an injury from the war, a loss of a loved one, it affects everybody. It's not just what we go through, right? And I think, you know, part of the hope going through this, right, is like you said before, God doesn't always promise us an explanation or even give us answers, but what he does promise 
and he has lived this out so faithfully in every aspect of my life, is he does promise to walk with us through it. He will not leave you. He will not leave me. And I got to tell you, even in my darkest times, my most angry times, my most confused times, knowing that I had a friend who's also the God of the universe there with me to go through this. And he loves you and me. He loves us. Loves you. <laughs> loves you as a person. Thank you, John. It's been so good to have you here again. Stay in touch with us, will you? I sure will. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Doc. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.